98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top story is the welfare minister says damning new statistics don't give the full picture on poverty in Hong Kong. A preliminary trade deal between Beijing and Washington brings hopes of an economic recovery. And Boris Johnson says there'll be no new vote on Scottish independence after his election victory. The Secretary for Labour and Welfare, Lo Chi Kuang, has defended the government's efforts to help the poor, despite new figures showing that poverty in the SAR has reached its highest level in a decade. Official statistics published last night show that more than 1.4 million people, or 20% of the population, lived below the poverty line last year. But Mr Law said the public shouldn't ignore the fact that when government subsidies and allowances were taken into account, the total dropped to about 910,000, though he agreed that the number was still too high. He was asked whether the government's anti-poverty measures were working. Somehow the 1.4 million people is not real in a sense because they are only a hypothetical figure if the government uh, has not done anything at all. But in fact the government has a, not, a different type of program. So that, that is the, the figure that we should look at. Mr Law also predicted that figures due to be released next week would show an increase in the SAR's unemployment rate. The figure was 3.1% in the three months to the end of October, the highest since 2017. The Welfare Minister hopes the figures for the three months to the end of last month won't be too high and that yesterday's announcement of a provisional trade deal between Beijing and Washington will help the economy. According to some of those uh, analysts in the community, uh, the number range from something around 4% to 5%. We sincerely hope that uh, it won't go up that high, but, but it's all up to the uh, circumstances. We had heard a good news about China and U.S. negotiation has reached some agreement, and I hope that will have some impact on global economy and also and then the uh, economy of Hong Kong. Uh, but that's all we have to wait and see. The pro-Beijing Federation of Trade Unions has urged the government to help the unemployed by setting up emergency funds. Its president, Stanley Ng, said he's worried that a trend of businesses' closures will develop. The Confederation of Trade Unions, meanwhile, urged the administration to address the demands of protesters and set up an inquiry into the six months of social unrest. Its chief executive, Mung Siu Tat, said protests were a result of the government's failures. The Provisional Trade Agreement is the first significant move to de-escalate the gruelling trade war between China and the United States. Donald Trump said the Phase 1 deal would suspend tariffs due to come into effect this week. BBC's Samira Hussain is in New York. This first step in a trade deal between the United States and China puts an end to 19 months of uncertainty and tit-for-tat duties on Chinese and American goods. Both countries are taking this as a win. China will significantly increase purchases of U.S. agricultural goods, and in return, some duties on Chinese imports will be lifted. News of this phase one trade deal pushed U.S. financial markets to record highs as investors were finally able to shake off some economic uncertainty brought on by the trade war. Details of a signing ceremony are still being worked out. The Chief Secretary, Matthew Jung, says he believes Hong Kong's economy will benefit from a provisional deal to de-escalate the Sino-US trade war. He said the deal was welcome given Hong Kong's many trade links with the US, though he remained cautious on how the deal would be implemented. Meanwhile, Liberal Party leader Felix Chung said he believes local companies which would have struggled to survive if the US imposed further tariffs on Chinese goods would enjoy a boost from the deal. The pro-government lawmaker said local companies should see their exports 
stabilise and sales improve. Britain's newly re-elected Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said he will resist calls for another independence referendum in Scotland. His comments come in spite of the surge in support for the pro-independence Scottish National Party in Thursday's general election. The party won 48 of Scotland's 59 seats in the British Parliament. Its leader, Nicola Sturgeon, has argued that it gives a clear mandate to hold another referendum. Prime Minister, let me be very clear. This is not simply a demand that I or the SNP are making. It is the right of the people of Scotland. And you, as the leader of a defeated party in Scotland, have no right to stand in the way. Mr Johnson has also called for healing between those who supported Brexit and those who wish to remain in the European Union. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Negotiations at the UN Climate Summit in Madrid are continuing into Saturday without an agreement in sight. The two-week meeting, known as COP25, was meant to decide on rules for the implementation of the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. BBC's Arjan Schippers reports. Last week, the new Time Person of the Year, the Swedish teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg, implored delegates in Madrid to take urgent action and come up with something concrete. Her words seem to have fallen on deaf ears, Many key issues that were left open after last year's summit in Poland remain unresolved. One of the sticking points is compensation for developing countries for damage resulting from climate change. Other areas of disagreement include targets for cutting carbon emissions and rules around creating carbon markets. Some negotiators say the summit could end without any agreement and that that might be better than a weak agreement. President Trump has dismissed the impeachment charges against him, approved by the House of Representatives Judiciary Committee, as a sham and a hoax. Speaking to reporters outside the White House, Mr Trump said the move would benefit him politically. It's the final stage before impeachment itself, as the BBC's Nada Tofik reports. Republicans tried to weaken the charges against President Trump, but Democrats held firm, passing two articles. The first, abuse of power for his efforts to pressure Ukraine to investigate his political rival. And the second, obstruction of Congress. From the Oval Office, the president launched into a familiar refrain, calling the process illegitimate and a hoax. The full Democratic-led House will almost certainly vote as early as next week to impeach. Republicans are already making plans for a full trial in the Senate, where they have the upper hand and are not expected to remove the president. Lawyers representing the users of a bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange, Quadriga CX, are asking the Canadian authorities to exhume the body of its founder. They say the circumstances around 30-year-old Gerald Cotton's death were suspicious. BBC's Steve Jackson explains. Gerald Cotton died suddenly last year in India from complications related to Crohn's disease. Shortly afterwards, the exchange he founded said it couldn't locate cryptocurrency reserves worth nearly $140 million. Cotton, it turned out, was the only person who had the necessary passwords to access the funds. Amid fury from investors, rumours began to emerge that Cotton had faked his own death and absconded with the funds. Although no evidence for this has been produced, lawyers are now demanding that his body be examined to settle the question of whether his death was genuine. The Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp, has given the European champions a boost ahead of their participation in the Club World Cup by signing a new contract to keep him at Anfield until 2024. Klopp said the club had been keen to extend his deal and the time was right to reach an agreement on his future. 
I think the club is in a good place and we have the chance still to develop a lot of things, a lot of exciting things coming up, obviously, with the, with the new academy, with um, maybe a new stand and stuff like this. So there's still a lot to come. And um, yeah, but there will be um, cloudy days as well. And then you have to be there and, and make decisions. And um, yeah, I, I really feel meanwhile very responsible for, for, for all the things here. And um, so um, I wanted to sort this thing and we did that and great. While seven teams from six continents are competing for the Club World Cup this time, World Football's governing body is determined to press ahead to expand the tournament to 24 teams for the 2021 edition, which will take place in China. The BBC's Simon Stone says FIFA is courting controversy. Well, it says to me that FIFA want a larger slice of, of the club pie, and you can only assume from that that they're wanting access to Europe's biggest clubs because whilst many clubs around the world are, are very well supported, it's Europe's clubs who have the worldwide fan base, it's Europe's clubs who drive the major revenue in terms of certainly the Champions League and domestic television contracts and it seems to me that FIFA are trying to get a slice of that pie now whether UEFA or the Premier League or La Liga are are interested in that remains to be seen but it's certainly something that in particular people that I've spoken to at UEFA today are are very uneasy about and, and suggest that anything is up for grabs if the price is right. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Welfare Minister says damning new statistics don't give the full picture on poverty in Hong Kong. A preliminary trade deal between Beijing and Washington brings hopes of an economic recovery. And Boris Johnson says there'll be no new vote on Scottish independence after his election victory. That's the news from RTHK. Welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Hardet, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have two musical themes of interest in a mixed salad of sorts. Hot new hits from the Paris charts specifically, interspersed with hot new hits from other places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our first hit from other places on the planet with Brazilian Flavia Coelho. She's born in Rio de Janeiro, immigrated to Paris in 2006, and has been recording since 2011. She's up to her fourth studio album. Her latest one is called DNA. And off that album, on the charts, the track Billy Django. There's a bit of a story with this hit. She's given a tip of the hat to Quentin Tarantino's film Django Unchained for a very specific reason, political as it turns out, as are many stories or many of her songs on her album. It's a a self-created superhero, Billy Django, who's going to save Brazil from the dangers risked with their new president, Jair Bolsonaro. Other songs on the album defend the gay community, and uh, the list goes on. So let's have a listen to Flavia Coelho and her superhero, Billy Django, saving Brazil from Bolsonaro. (laughs) 
Yeah. 